advantage of the day. Okay. When you get an opportunity in this game, you make a play. Yeah. Playmakers on three. One, two, three. Touchdown, Kansas City. The Chiefs are right in the thick of it, baby. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Defending the Kingdom. We're going to call it Under Pressure. Uh, Mitch Holters with you, voice of the Chiefs, along with the man that we call the shop, the barbershop, the Spider-Man, one of those prominent graduates in the history of the University of Richmond. Cele- oh, there it is, the, sp- the spider celebrating your basketball victory over the University of Kentucky. And uh, so well done in that, my friend. U of R, it's always about the U of R, right? Man, we are so proud, University of Richmond. I, I, I can still remember the time when I, my first year here in Kansas City, we had to play at Kansas. We were the the the, the little brother coming in, and, and somehow Richmond pulled off one of the upsets. One of the few times the Jayhawks have lost um, uh, there, there in Kansas at that home arena. They've been so tough over so many years. But now having a chance over the weekend to watch my Spiders go into Rump Arena and play against Kentucky, one of the proud Blue Bloods, and somehow, somehow my Richmond Spiders pulled off a 12-point, I don't even know if it can be called an upset. We were just the better team that day. It was outstanding. Now the Chiefs get ready for the Denver Broncos as we transition and we talk about, uh, you know, one of that great songs of all time. Right? I think it was Queen, baby. I think it was Queen. Yeah. Under pressure. Yeah, there we go, baby. Under pressure. We're going to talk about two things here relating to this Denver Bronco game. We're going to start with the Chiefs and get into right under um, your expertise, and that is defensive football. A lot of discussion around the Chiefs, of course, being 10-1 and and right on the heels of the Steelers and the AFC, but the lack of getting pressure on opposing quarterbacks, particularly in the last two or three games, when you look at it, uh, when you hear those discussions, Barbershop, how do you react? Man, stats are funny, man. You know, people can take numbers and and and, and conscrew them and twist them to mean anything. Uh, when you when you talk about sack totals, and if that's the only thing you're looking at, um, a lot of times the the, the 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 team that's leading the league in sack totals is not always the one that's getting and affecting the opponent's quarterback the most. You can get hurries, you can get knockdowns, getting in the quarterback's face. There's a lot of things you can do to get a quarterback off his spot, make him throw on the run. Um, and I think our team, our defense, is doing that at a very high rate. They're not getting credit for it on the national, um, as far as national media, because statistically, people are so uh, so enamored by sack totals, and they think that if you don't get a sack, it doesn't mean anything. But when you look at how many turnovers in this league are caused by pressures, causing a quarterback to throw the ball before he's ready, or a a a, a, a tipped or deflect ball, both of those things lead to turnovers. And when you talk about what is the quickest way to turn a ball game, it's not getting a sack, it's getting a turnover. And I think that's what we're doing at a very high rate. Yeah, look at the 2018 Chiefs. They were one of the top teams in sacks and yet struggled. And people all over them, you know, as they're losing that playoff game or in the AFC Championship game, I should say. To your point, let me just throw out some stats, though, that kind of dispel all this talk about, hey, they're not getting any pressure on anybody. Chris Jones right now, is top 10 in the National Football League. Not in sacks, but shop. He's got 20 knockdowns, quarterback pressure knockdowns. He also has 28 quarterback hurries. That's 48 combined that affect the play like you were just saying. I'm not sure. It's, it may be fantasy football, 
because people want to play fantasy football. I, I'm serious. They they want to play fantasy football with something defensively. Well, what do I have? Usually it's sacks and picks, and that's about it. So if a team doesn't get sacks, it like freaks everybody out. But it's a matter of getting hits on the quarterback, pressures, and to me, it's def- it's uh, affecting the physics of the throw and the psyche of the quarterback. And I think that's what we're we're on the same wavelength here. It's not just always getting a sack. Uh, it's it's uh, doing other things to affect uh, the passing play by the opponent. Yeah, you understand. I mean, it, it, the, the the nature of the quarterback position has evolved so much that it, it's rarely you have a quarterback that is immobile anymore. Most quarterbacks have have mobility. They can um, extend the play. They can get out on the edge. And and sometimes when you allow quarterbacks to get out on the edge and you don't pressure them, that's just as good as them being in the pocket. I mean, quarterbacks now throw on the run almost as good, and many of them you see statistically throw better on the run, throw under pressure, um, and just as good as they do when they were in the pocket. So I think the way defenses now start to attack, you're, you're attacking quarterbacks in a in, a, in like phases and waves. First, you want to po- puncture the pocket. You want to collapse that pocket and get him out the pocket. But then once he escapes the pocket, you want to have a, 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 a ghost or you want to have somebody lurking that can make sure that that quarterback is still throwing that that ball under duress, not allowing him to throw without the worry of being hit, pushed down, um, uh, put to the ground. I mean, that's something that I think Chris Jones is being underappreciated for. When you talk about on a national set, he's always around that quarterback. Every play, whether it's a pass play, the quarterback throws the ball. He's looking over his shoulder back and forth. How close was Chris Jones to me? How close is he really getting to me? Because I got to keep that in the back of my mind when I call that next play action pass. And so overall as a defense, Frank Clark, Chris Jones, um, the rest of our guys up front, they're doing a tremendous job of affecting the quarterback, even if it's not coming out on our stat sheets. Yeah, the one exception would be the Raiders game. There was only one quarterback hit on Carr in the game in Las Vegas and no sacks. But if you look at the Panthers game against Teddy Bridgewater, because people want to kind of put that one in that category, I'm like, whoa, nine quarterback hits and two sacks in that game. And the Bucs game against Tom Brady, eight quarterback hits and one sack. Um, but even early on, I mean, you're getting three, uh, three and outs in the first four possessions of that game. It's like I talked with Andy Reid on the Chiefs Kingdom show on the radio network on Monday night. That team, the Chiefs were pedaling downhill in that Tour de France leg, not uphill, because the defense was able to get enough pressure on Brady or disrupt his play to make him punt four straight times. Yeah, they started so fast in that game. You know, Tom Brady, even with all the experience, being the GOAT, having so having so much knowledge about football, having to start with three um, three and outs, it was uncomfortable. You could tell that they, they, they wouldn't allow Tampa to get into their play-calling flow. It took them until the fourth or fifth possession to even get through the first 15 calls. And you know how, how comfortable coaches get once they get through that first 15 plays. Now they're, they're starting to rely on, let's, 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 let's start to change the play call and find out what's working, what's not. It was almost halftime before they got to the 15th play. And so, so it wasn't too much going on from a, a, a Tampa Tom, a Tom Brady uh, uh, um, showing some magic with his uh, uh, Mike Evans and, 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 and Godwin and, and A.B. and all the weapons, Gronkowski. All the weapons they had was, was, was pretty much, they were duds to start that ball game. And it wasn't until late in the second half they was able to find some magic. And by then, the Chiefs had such a lead and was able to do such, you know, such a great job of possessing the ball, controlling the ball. We were able to run the ball game out, run the clock out, and just walk away, leave Tampa Bay with the win. And to me, that was probably one of the most easier 
wins of the season. The, the game was pretty much offensively, we had so many explosive plays. They had no answers for Tariq Hill, no answers for um, um, Kelsey, no answers for Mahomes, that we didn't even need to utilize the running game. And until we had to utilize the running game to, to possess the ball a little bit, to run the clock out, and we did that enough to win the ball game. So, I mean, when, you, when I look at that game as a whole, it, it, there was no time in that ball game where I felt like Tampa Bay uh, seized momentum, took control of the ball game. It was a Kansas City ball game for us to win the entire 60 minutes. And to your point, it was really one of the first games in a while where the Chiefs were able to get, well, since the Jets game, to get the offense of the opponent off the field quickly. Think about it. Panthers have the ball for eight minutes and get a touchdown. Raiders kind of did the same thing. So you're a you're a horse in a paddock. You, you can't get out while you're seeing the other horses run around the track. The fact that the defense did disrupt Tom Brady and get him off the field allowed the sequence that you just so eloquently uh, laid out there because it, the Chiefs were always in command of this game for the most part and because of they got off to that great start. Now, this is going to segue in. Again, this our Defending the Kingdom episode is also brought to you by these Bose headphones, right? The Bose 700s. People are, you're making your holiday shopping list, so am I. Trying to go to them. This is a great way to go. Go to Bose.com. Uh, we've been wearing them all season. They're fantastic. Like at, late at nights when I do a lot of my research, and I just put these on, and I go in the uh, barbershop, you know, in the barbershop, uh, space capsule and leave because I can put these on and uh, it locks everything out. Uh, but man, the noise cancellation on these babies are great. Great idea uh, for your loved ones during the holiday season. But now on this part of the discussion of this Broncos Chiefs game, can the Chiefs get pressure on whomever's quarterbacking for the Broncos? And can the Chiefs do that the next five weeks? And again, pressure decide, de de uh, defined as you know defending the physics of the throw uh, and defending the psyche of the quarterback. And as you just put out there, it's not always getting sacks. It's being disruptive. But passes defensed at the line of scrimmage is something that I kind of jump up and down and clang cymbals about because to me it is the most devastating defensive play that no one talks about. Because sometimes I will pause the video shop and I'll look at it and go, wow, that pass was knocked down to the line of scrimmage. What would that have been? You know, that was probably a 25-yard gain or 30-yard gain. We talk about sacks. To me, I love sacks. Don't get me wrong. However, give me a pass deflected at the line of scrimmage like the Super Bowl in those four fourth quarter stops. And right now, the Chiefs uh, are not getting a lot of those, and I'll give you a stat in a second. But what about the pass deflected at the line of scrimmage or mid-route that completely screws up the play and then watch that offensive coordinator bang his iPad against his forehead? Well, you know, offensive coordinators, they pride themselves on drawing up and creating these problems for the for the defense. And so when you do a, a top down, you run somebody off, you run a seven underneath of it, and then you got a crossing route that's coming over and no one's guarding it. And it's just a, a simple uh, a, a simple seven, eight yard throw that's going to run for another 15 yards because you've cleared out an area and now you got this underneath route coming. You just need to complete it. You just need the quarterback to find the arm angle to complete it. And you know that's going to be an automatic first down, bring the momentum, a new set of downs. When you have a defender, right, at the line of scrimmage that abandons his pass rush and he starts to follow the eyes of the quarterback and is able to get those big mitts on that ball to knock it down at the line of scrimmage, defensively, you know, you know, you, you, you kind of dodged the bullet there, right? They had somebody uncovered. They picked off a man route, whatever it was that created that opportunity where you dodged the bullet and got off the field on that third down because one of your guys up front uh, put up that mitt. We talk defensively, man. It's You got to guard 
from the end zone back down to the line of scrimmage. And so you want to take away all those throws over the top first and then those mid-level throws. And sometimes you don't have enough defenders left to take away all five zones, you know, uh, less than 10 yards from the line of scrimmage. So you expect your D-line to really um, be in tune to that. Be in tune to where the offense is going, um, late in the down when you know it's going to be a check down or a tight end curl or a drag route. Get those palms up in the throwing lanes and knock those balls down. That was something we did, especially Chris Jones with his height, did at a, in, in Passano uh, yet last year. Both of them was very good at doing that at a high rate, and it allows the defensive linebackers to stay deep, stay underneath those mid-level coverages, knowing that you'll be able to come back down and rally to those check downs. It is the biggest stat, I think, that no one's talking about about this team uh, is that very fact. Let's go back to last year. The Chiefs' defensive line, now these are defensive, these aren't DBs because they get passes defense. That's, you know, we know what those happen. But the so called PD column, which is the pass deflection knocked down, last year the Chiefs' defensive line shop led the National Football League with 19 of those rascals. And that's in the regular season. If you look at the postseason, there is a whole bunch more. And you could argue the Chiefs didn't win Super Bowl 54 without those knockdowns on the way because there's a slant waiting for a 15-yard pickup, right, on the on the drives that San Francisco needed to stay on the field. Yes. This year, this year now in 11 games, Chiefs are 10-1, and one, only five passes deflected in 11 games by the defensive line, three by Tano Passigno. You mentioned that, and those were early in the season. To me, something I'm going to look for in this game against the Broncos in the next five weeks, can the Chiefs, disrupt disrupt the flow of the ball you can even get a thumb on it and knock it off you don't have to just knock it down like you know Shaq blocking a shot or something or Matumbo back in the day this is just affecting it I get a thumb on it takes it off it oh it's incomplete where was he throwing that ball well he knew where he was throwing it but it got thrown off it's uh, the physics of the throw was thrown off but I'm curious shop I just want to watch this really closely here in these next five weeks if the Chiefs can get some disruption and passes broken up at the line of scrimmage or mid route I think the important thing we have to look at is you got to look at some of the what, what the play philosophy of being called against our defense. Because last year it seemed like when when offenses knew they was going to face Pat Mahomes, they knew it was going to be a shootout, and so they they started to try to uh, they wanted to possess the ball. They wanted to make sure that they could just get first downs, not always try to go over the top downtown, not not trying to go for the big shot, but always going for the first down, trying to keep Pat off the field. They wanted to to lower the amount of possessions. Pat had, not as worried about the uh, time of possession. And so when teams are trying to attack you and trying to get like five and six yards on pass routes, you see slants, curls. Those are the opportunities where those mitts, those, those pass defections come. When teams are trying to attack you further down the field, well, the arc of the ball gets higher than the defensive line's hands. And when teams are trying to hit you 20 yards and 30 yards, go over the top, uh, deep shots down the field, you're not going to get as many pass, affection, uh, pass, pass deflections from our D-line. So it's just the way teams have been trying to uh, attack our defense. It seems to be a little bit different this year than it was a year ago. But again, defensively, if we're doing what we're supposed to, we got the landlord in the back. We got Juan Thornhill in the back. There are some great safeties that can take away that deep third. We got corners that can mirror um, reroute receivers. Um, and all they need is some underneath help by our linebackers. That should force offenses to force them to throw it in, in, in that check down underneath or either go to the three-step stops, curls, some of those short games, which should bring up the amount of opportunities for our D-line to get some more knockdowns. 
Yeah, interesting you say that. Now, not in the first Raider game because they were humming it down the field on that one, all those long plays to beat us. But the second one and the Carolina game and the Bucs to some extent, a little bit different, they started going deep. They kind of built this cocktail for Derek Carr, Terry Bridgewater, which was that zone you talked about. We're going to stay on the field for eight minutes and just get first downs and just nitpick in eight and ten. Oh, and then a yards after catch for 20. But those slants, those hooks, trying to find the crossing pattern or the so-called option route, if you can deflect that thing and just reroute it some, it can make a huge difference for the Chiefs uh, the remainder of the season. All right, now we're going to do a 180 here and flip. Although this Defending the Kingdom uh, episode is called Under Pressure. We're going to stay in that category, but we're going to go to the other side. This, to me, is the danger of the Denver Broncos. The Denver Broncos went through that whole debacle last week of you know, no quarterback, the practice squad wide receiver, Wake Forest guy th- runs out there and their RBs are running direct snap wildcat most of the game. That defense kept them in the game for a while. This Bronco defense is legit. I think people forget, Shop, Kansas City was 0 for 8 on third downs in that game, uh, that real cold game in October and the victory over the Broncos. Pressure. Bradley Chubb, and looking at pressures, I was talking about earlier about Chris Jones and his knockdown and hurries. Chubb has 16 knockdowns, 34 quarterback hurries, seven and a half sacks. Malik Reed is the sneaky one, number 59 at six, seven and at six and a half sacks. These guys are hard to block. They can create pressure. What about the Chiefs handling the Bronco pressure? Because to me, it's the key to the game for the Broncos. They've got to get that kind of pressure. Well, you know, Vic Fangio is going to do a great job of creating a game plan to try to keep our defense from uh, uh, keep our offense from going over the top. They're not going to get. They're not going to. Uh, allow a bunch of man-to-man like we did last week against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think if if one thing that we saw last week, that's not a formula to beat the Chiefs. Allowing your corners to go one-on-one with uh, cheetah speed is a losing effort. So you'll see a lot more catch zone. You'll see um, 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 doubles over the top by the safeties, Um, almost inviting us to run the ball, inviting us to um, um, use a short game and quick games. And then um, finding ways to uh, drop a safety and a drop a linebacker underneath of a first look, hopefully to make Pat recheck, re, 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 reload the gun and try to go someplace else. Those type of, of, of plays, when you have the quarterback thinks the slant's open and then somebody jumps it and robs it, cause them to reload, that's what leads to those sacks, quarterback pressures and hurries. Um, it's because they do a great job of disguising the defense. And that's one thing you're going to find with Coach Vic Vangio. Being a defensive guru all these years, he can make a lot of things look a lot different. He can he can run cover two, cover three, cover six, all these different coverages off of some looks that kind of look similar. And it makes the quarterback hold on to the ball just an extra second, just an extra tick to make sure he knows uh, what, what kind of coverage he's throwing into. And so, you know, when, when you face that on the offensive side of the board, when you're a, a, a well-oiled machine like our offense, you just don't want to be overconfident. You don't want to uh, make no assumptions that you, you you know what you know because on film, the Denver Broncos, the one thing they will do is they'll fool you. And when they fool you, they try to make you pay with a sack, strip, fumble, a big play or a turnover because they know their offense has some deficiencies and that's the only way for them to stay in the ball game. Yeah, they're four and seven because they're minus fifteen in the giveaway takeaway. They've turned the ball over twenty six times, mm-hmm. and that's how the Chiefs. And keep in mind in that first game in Denver, everybody's like, "Ha ha!" Blew them out. A hundred four yard kickoff return by Pringle, a pick six by Dirty Grimy Dan Sorensen. That's fourteen non offensive points. 
take those 14 points off the board and you're going, Ooh, that's 27 to 16. It's a little different look. Mm-hmm. And so here's that defense, man. I got him there. Callahan at corner. You got Justin Simmons, who to me is a pro bowl safety. When I look at his numbers, four interceptions, uh, his fumble recovery, but also his ability and his coverage ratings throughout the different things that look at him. Justin Simmons is having a pro bowl season. This is a defense that you have to play and play well against, or you could have some issues. Yeah, they got what you call game records. They got game breakers on the defense side of the ball. They got guys that can single-handedly almost win you a ball game. If you don't account for uh, Chubb, you don't account for Simmons, you don't account for some of their guys They got uh, that are playmakers on that defense side of the ball. Before you know it, you haven't converted a third down. They've made some big plays, some strap, some uh, giving their offense some short fields, kicking four or five field goals. And, and yeah, that only adds up to 15 or 12 points. But defensively in the red zone, they've been really good all season. They make you snap the ball, continue to snap it. They want to make it, you know, you put the ball up in the air because it gets their uh, pass rushers an opportunity to get after that quarterback. And that's the one thing they've been able to do. So uh, we, we know all season long, the one thing they, they, they have a lot of pride and they play with a lot of passion on that defensive side of the ball. So we got to really make sure we account for their playmakers on defense. And then when the opportunity arises, we got to make them pay. We got to make them pay back with it, whether it's touchdowns or field goals. We got to make sure each one of our drives ends up with points on the board. Absolutely. So this defending the kingdom episode under pressure, I'll just close it out this way and you can chime in here. People are going, well, the Broncos, man, they're going nowhere. All right, let's just stop. Just pause here a second. The chiefs were two and 14 in uh, 2008 and had a, I mean, rough. I'm not to tell you it's rough. One of those two wins was Broncos. 2009, the Chiefs go to Denver, really shouldn't, wait a minute, two pick sixes by Derek Johnson, beat the Broncos. 2010, the Chiefs won the division with a two and four division record, but beat the Broncos. I mean, here are the Broncos now coming in. Um, it's the Broncos, all right? That has its own little pressure uh, with it because of the division title. And the Chiefs can win uh, an 11th straight game over the Broncos. That would tie an all-time series record going back to 64 through 69. Uh, and the Chiefs could go to 11-1. and one. But they got to take care of business here because the Broncos, I'm sorry, this defense in particular, they can play with their hair on fire shop and make this a game. Well, we know they got some weapons on both sides of the ball. They got Noah Fant. They got two running backs that are both capable running backs. Both of them been in the Pro Bowl, Pro Bowl before. And they, they got a quarterback, Drew Locke, who comes from this city. He's from here. Do you think there's any place in the NFL he wants to win more than here in Kansas City? He wants to bring a victory to his team. He wants to walk away proud knowing he came back to the city he was born and raised in and got himself a dub in Arrowhead Stadium. And so for that amount of pride and that amount of uh, competent, uh, competent, uh, competitive juices flowing on a game day basis, there is nobody here in the kingdom that should be taking the Denver Broncos lightly because they got playmakers nobody. on defense. They got a Pro Bowl-level quarterback. He can make all the throws. He has a tremendous arm. Uh, and, and then they have playmakers that, that they put in position to make plays. So uh, we know that. Hey, you can throw the records out. The, you can throw all the records and stats out the window when it comes to the Denver Broncos and the Kansas City Chiefs play. This game is going to be won in the fourth quarter by whichever team executes the, at the highest rate. And hopefully our Kansas City Chiefs team can continue to execute, continue to evolve, and get themselves in that playoff mentality, that playoff momentum that we had when we ended up last year. 
and make that 11 real 11 straight wins over the Broncos will not be easy. He is Sean Barber, the shop man, the barbershop, the spider man. He's got the spider on today. He's got his Bose 700 headphones on. Uh, we thank you for joining us on this edition of Defending the Kingdom Under Pressure. Can the Chiefs get pressure on the Broncos and everybody else the rest of the way? Can they defend against the pressure of the Broncos? And can they take the pressure of getting an 11th straight win over this team? Shop, God bless you and your family. Stay safe. Um, stay protected, my friend. So hang in there, brother. Appreciate it. All the kingdom, man. As we always say, stay masked up, stay socially distanced, wash your hands, continue to stay uh, um, diligent and precautious in all the, the protocols for keeping everybody COVID safe. Uh, we bless you. Uh, it's been a blessing being a part of the kingdom. And hopefully, hopefully before, before too long, we'll all have a vaccine and be able to get back to the kingdom, be back at Arrowhead cheering for our chiefs the way we do loud and proud, baby. Let's go. He's Sean Barber. I'm Mitch Holtis. All right, Chiefs, let's run it back.